Hi, I'm Phnom. Hi, I'm Mardis. And today we're going to talk about design for humanity. Historically, we've designed for humanity out of self-preservation, surviving the elements and the environment in which we're living. And we also have a natural sense of empathy towards things or individuals that look like us. The advantage of working for humans as well is that we can ask them what they need and they can give us answers that can be transformed into innovation. So today's episode is going to be divided in three. We're going to talk about the past, historically what has happened, what we're doing today that's so innovative and in support of humanity, and what we're looking for in the future. When we look to the past and how humanity has sort of structured itself, early civilizations were based upon sort of a hunter-gatherer society. You know, they were living season to season, powering through and hoping that they could survive and procreate the next season. But as we evolved and we grew, we found out there was more power in, in a larger population. But to do that, we needed food sources. So we came up with the idea of agriculture. And as an agrarian society, then we would plant seeds, we would grow them, harvest, save the seeds through the winter time, and replant again. This allowed us to plan out our future season by season. And about 60,000 years ago, some ingenious prehistoric designer came up with the idea of the sewing needle. So using bones from birds or things they found around them, they were able to attach it to a piece of thread or leather and connect skins or furs together. From there, they were able to create clothing that conformed to the human body. And thanks to innovations like this, humans back then were able to survive the Ice Age. And if you look at a lot of today's industries, they still depend on that invention from 60,000 years ago. The fashion industry, the automotive industry, even the medical industry, suturing ourselves up, closing wounds, still uses the same type of technology. As societies grew, we had more people with more needs. How do we create objects that can be repeatable so we can raise everyone up? In the late 1800s and the beginning of the 20th century, we had something called the Industrial Revolution. And a well-known figure in the Industrial Revolution is Henry Ford, founder of Ford Motor Company. And what he did is he took the idea of mass producing stuff to a whole different level. And the joke around him is he talks about, you can have any color of Ford motor car you want, as long as it's black. And what that really means is that he's refining all the processes, creating manufacturing lines, but to do it efficiently and effectively so everybody could afford a car, you had to have a certain limitation on options and features. Fast forward to the end of the 20th century, where it's fairly ubiquitous to have a lot of stuff around you, a lot of products that are affordable, that bring up your quality of life, but also fill up your house with a lot of things that you don't necessarily need. Now, one of the great revolution of today's innovations is customization making sure that the product is designed for you and for you only. With the help of AI, machine learning, you know, social media, psychology development, we're able to create generic device that learn how your body works and then over time supports your need. 
And that branch of technology is called transformative technology. That's technology in support of health, wellness, performance, and longevity. Examples of transformative technology that we have access to today might be the Aura Ring, which is a ring that you wear. It tracks your sleep quality, your heart rate variability, and other biometric factors that inform you on how your body reacts to different types of stressors. Another example is the Halo headset that, that we designed here at Nonfiction. It doesn't read the body, but it stimulates the brain in a way that helps your body learn movement faster. Another example is the ubiquitous Fitbit, which has become the poster child of biometric uh, wearables. So it uh, tracks your heart rate, the steps that you walk or run throughout the day, and really informs you in real time about the state of your health. We've talked about how biometric data can be used to help the individual track their health and wellness and happiness. But what happens when we start to take that data and apply it to a system? Let's talk about a healthcare system. I might want to share my data with my doctor and my nutritionist, maybe even my psychologist. There's a problem that all these people servicing you are really, really busy. They have, you know, potentially hundreds of clients. Through these systems, we can monitor with AI and machine learning and assist the doctors to treat you better in a safer, more uh, healthy manner. We can't talk about designing systems for humanity without talking about agriculture. So agriculture is a big system that we've been doing for thousands of years, but more recently we're starting to put devices in the fields and, and next to plants to understand what the water content of the soil is, to understand the nutrients in the soil, to understand the wavelength of light hitting the plants. So we can take this data and we can adjust it and change sort of the productivity of the plant, but also the nutrients within the plant. There are places in the world where it's not easy to grow outdoors or we have extreme environment challenges. By moving some of this agriculture to indoor vertical gardens, we can control those environments. We can control the pests, we can control the nutrients, and we can control the output of the food and then support a healthy growing society. This is a wonderful segue in talking about the future Designers are going to work on solving problems having to do with longevity, with health, with wellness, with comfort, and with equality. As we live longer, we don't want to spend 60 years of our life in a wheelchair. We want to make sure that we're able to move around. We're able to have mental acuity levels that are high enough so we can have fulfilled life until our last day. A few examples of the things that are developed right now and are going to be more prominent in the future. One of them is printing organs and not being so reliant on transplants. We can also think about genetic engineering like CRISPR today. Imagine being able to change the course of your life independent of the genes that you've received from your parents and grandparents. Nonfiction's work is to bridge the gap between what's happening today in the present and what kind of future we want for everyone. It's not only about solving specific problems, it's about scaling them as well, making sure that all of this wonderful technology is accessible to all so we can bring humanity up to levels of comfort, wellness, and happiness. The takeaway of this episode is, no matter where you're at on the historical timeline, we all have the same thing in mind. We want an increased quality of life. We don't wanna simply survive, we wanna thrive. Well, thank you for joining us on this journey today while we explored Designing for Humanity. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if so, leave comments below. Tell us what you're looking forward to in the future. Until next time, bye-bye.